Have you now finished your <laughs> your Greek yogurt and blueberries, Diane? I have. Have you? Do My you feel wood? adequately nourished and uh, oh yes and sustained and maintained? And, you know. Oh, I do. I do. do. You? That's lovely. That's lovely. And the candles are in fact lit. They are lit. And the little hairy fairy lights are on about the domicile. <laughs> are they? Or aren't they? They are. Well, there you go. I thought you were stating, not questioning. No, I was just asking you to affirm I that affirm. these things are in fact true. Then it can only mean it's 9.31 a.m. Saturday, January the 6th, 2024. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. You know, I didn't even do that last week. I know. I was just thinking about that, that you said, man, I didn't even do the little... I didn't even do the thing, whether we're worth it, you know, where one announces what we're actually doing here, what the endeavor is. What is the endeavor? That's Damn. exactly right. What is it there? I have no idea what the oh, is. I see. I always I just think just, I'm talking to you on, on a Saturday morning. And that's... I wanted to make sure that you had the same lack of actual idea that I that I possess, you see. I like it to be goalless. Goalless? Yeah. 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 I just like talking to you on Saturday mornings. Is that what you think? You like that? I like talking to you anytime, but it's really nice because we concentrate on it. We concentrate. It's like talk, concentrate. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. Just add water. <laughs> You'll have a full conversation. Ah, ham and eggs. In no time. Exactly. Yeah. So it's been a, uh, what? It's been a, it's been a phantasm of, uh, of, uh, Wonder and strife. Kind of weak here in Lake Abundance. Over to you. Wait a minute. Where's the strife coming in? I don't know. <laughs> Probably the, the bodily, our bodily complaints of oh, which well, there are yeah. legion. Yes. Although, man, oh. from the time I was doing the show last week, where I was yes. really in the Throws. in the depths of the pain, yeah. uh, the doctors had it timed to the to the day, man. They yeah. said that it would peak at ten days, and on the eleventh day, I started feeling better. Yeah, and now, that. I'm not entirely healed, but um, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Well, actually, healing is always a bit of a miracle to yes. me. Yes. <laughs> Just imagine if our bodies didn't heal. <laughs> How awful that would be. That would be bad. <laughs> Can you imagine the number of... Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. Band-aids one would still have on one's body. You, boy. Not to mention stitches. That's good coffee. And such what? Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, I felt a lot better. I still have these intermittent weird pains throughout my body, actually. But, um, but boy, having the skin heal up. I, I didn't expect it to heal so quickly. I was expecting a little bit more like, 
you know, a typical sunburn, which kind of hangs out around for a while. But I it think was... that the, what the radiation does is it causes heat with inside that radiates outward. Yeah. And once that heat has been released, it's it's gone. You know? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm in much better situation today than I was last Saturday. And... Yeah. That's one of the nice things about doing this is to actually have a period of time where you're saying, oh, yeah. hey, last week this was, was happening yeah. and this week this is happening. So, Well, what is happening this week? Well, I had a great uh, visit and luncheon with my friend, my oldest friend, Tim Schwanler, yesterday. That was great. Great to see Tim. And we're going to try and be more regular about actually seeing each other in the flesh rather than simply talking on the phone or on FaceTime or something. So and that's you, a good, and good. what did we give him for his birthday? We gave though? him a copy of The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul. Which we are both engaged in I'm reading. I'm engaged in it both in print and in the audiobook format. <laughs> and uh, so is Tim now. Well, so. I don't know. I was really pleased to hear that he that he was so excited about getting mm. that book because... Yeah. Uh, whenever you're giving something like this, you're a little... Like, yeah, but he and I have been talking about this kind of stuff. Already, yeah, so. that's true. And yeah. since you were you and he are talking, you would know whether he would be receptive to it. But um, but he, he and I both have listened to the Die Wise book, and, and uh, so we're kind of, you know... I was reading this morning. I really love reading this book. It's very healing to read it and when I first got it it was because Mary had suggested well just said uh talk to me about the book that she had gotten this book and yeah and I said oh my gosh that sounds exactly like what I would want because it's from a Jungian perspective which I always love and but uh listeners might remember that when I first got the book uh, it really helped me through some of the bigger issues of the illness um, that I had, or the cancer journey, because I instantly turned it to the chapter of uh, illness as a divine messenger. And it really helped me with the thoughts that were encompassed there. But I don't know. I've, I find these sorts of books to be what I really want to be reading right now. Books like The Five Invitations that uh, my friend Kathy had uh, recommended to mm-hmm. me. and uh, I also got another book because of the inner work of age. I was so taken by one of the, the quotes that she had. She, in the inner work of age, she quotes a lot of different writers and I am now getting broadening out my networking of the, the right. reading yeah. Uh, because yeah it's it's interesting how the person you're reading has read other people's books and are very interested in, in what they have to say but the the person who wrote the book uh, that I purchased is a blogger about age, and she just recently decided to 
put them out in, some of her observations out in um, in book form. And she had a previous book that I did not purchase, which was which sounds wonderful. That was called Older. Let's see, what was that called? She had another book that she had written previously that I did not choose to uh, to purchase, which is called Older, Wiser, Fiercer, The Wisdom Collection. But it sounded like the one that I purchased was uh, not just an entirely new, new thoughts or whatever. It sounds like she built from that first book. So... The one that I re that I purchased was the making of an old soul aging as the fulfillment of life's promise, and the author of that is Carol Orsborn. And I so I have been kind of dipping into I do this a lot, which is probably I don't know whether it's good or not. <laughs> I have a tendency to be dipping into several books at once. Oh, do you? Yes. Not me. I don't do it. <laughs> well, with poetry, it's a little easier, right? Yeah, yeah of the idea yeah, yeah. So. but yeah i was really uh, i i'm really interested in this this book and in other people's thoughts about this book so i'm really happy that you gave it to tim when i did I, when i was reading it this morning i i'm just so fascinated with some of the the questions that she asks and you were saying that you were you're on this the end of the chapter that I just got to the end of that is asking those questions um, have you tasted pure awareness do you have a practice that carries you beyond ego who within you stops you from doing that practice every day I really like that that who stops you that you can actually identify in your head the person who stops you from doing things because I actually feel like I see the person who stops me from doing various things is that person who thinks like I have to be working I have to be productive I have to and I'm I'm getting better at releasing that out of my life but it is a difficult uh thing to do yeah it's true she actually had a place that spoke of that and uh this paragraph really hit me for many of us the relentless provider in the image of sisyphus supporting the family is handed down unconsciously like brown eyes so is the caregiver the doer the nurturer the helper so many of these patterns arise from the internalization of productivity and duty as our core values. And though we all need open-ended time for self-reflection in order to engage with our shadow, the workaholic, materialistic values of our culture make this unconventional option difficult for everyone. So it's vitally important to become aware that there is often a shadow character within who is driving our ambition and sense of obligation. One of my clients calls it the driver. 
as we enter late life, that figure can sabotage the evolution of a soul. And I think that that is really powerful to me to read that because I do find that character in me. Um, oh, I, I shouldn't just be thinking about these things. I should be out doing something. I, I find it uh, very interesting. But the thing that really interested me about these thoughts this morning was a passage that I read that someone was saying that when you're older, you're always being called to ask, who am I? And, and that that question needs to be leading you farther and farther into the pure awareness that we're all one, you know, that we are the, the force of being in the world. But he was saying that it was like when you were 16 or 17, that's who you were, you were asking, who am I? And I was thinking, well, isn't that interesting? It's like the, the idea I had about, uh, that was based on a Jungian philosophy about the, the lifetime being like a day. And if you were thinking about your birth, your adolescence, your early adulthood, your middle adulthood, your later adulthood, your elderhood, and finally leading to your death as a circle, and you were thinking of it as a clock, which is the way that I was reading Jung on that. Well, we're probably at the point of an adolescent in the mirror image of that clock. And so the adolescent is asking, who am I from the standpoint of who am I as an ego? You know, what is my ego going to be? What is my role going to be in the world? And now we're at the opposite end of who am I? I'm letting go of my ego. And so what is deeper beyond that? Yeah. That's what we're doing. <laughs> I'm sorry to have gone off into this, but that was on my mind this morning. Yeah. Um, it asks a lot of good questions, and it's they're interesting to sit with. But also that observation that this is outside of our normal societal uh, expectation. Yeah. We aren't really taught this in the way that we should to allow us to be comfortable with what's happening. So I really appreciate that. It's challenging to let go of expectation, both societal and personal, you know, that have been programmed in from such an early age. Wouldn't you say? I would definitely say. Other than that, this week, um, I had a long conversation with my cousin Debbie, which was really wonderful, and I had Ginny come over yesterday, and that was delightful, my friend from a long time, and I had my first occupational therapy uh, session, which was more of a... um, 
getting to know my circumstances, getting to know my level of pain in various uh, situations. And when do you just, go back? Uh, next next week, uh, the ninth. I can't remember what day of the week that is, but um, she was actually very pleased with my range of motion, which I attribute to going back to Pilates. Uh, although I haven't been back to Pilates for a while, so. But that was really a good, a good thing to, to even know that I, that she said that my range of motion was far more than she would have expected at my stage. But cool. um, she's going to be doing some, some various things. And she used a laser light on this cording issue that I have. And, and interestingly, that caused me a bit of pain yesterday. <laughs> Um, I was feeling some achiness in that area, but I think that it's all part of the healing process of this. So it's a wild, wild life, Diane, full of wildness and wilderness, and we're crossing unmarked snow, as it were. Well, I have been planning to use this song at the right time ever since uh, I've been thinking about the songs of my cancer journey. And I think that this kind of marks the end of that, of my little self-imposed <laughs> um, criterion that this is, that the song of the day was going to have something to do with my healing. And this is the right time to use this song. It's written by my closest, most intimate friend, Kat, who I've known for 40 years. 40 years! <laughs> <laughs> and gone through all sorts of things together with her. And, um, huh. and even this journey is something that we're now sharing, which is... Uh, not something you would have thought, oh, yeah, this is great. <laughs> but, yeah. Look what else we have in common. Yes. Neat. But in a way, it is really important that, I, I don't know, it's, it's brought us even closer, if that could be true. And I feel like it's brought us closer, if that could be true, you know? Yeah, I agree. So this song is called One More Step. And I'm just going to read her information about this song, about what was going on. During treatment for early stage breast cancer, there was no room to write anything, just this one song. It was a way of noticing what it was like to walk through something so dark and eventually coming through to the other side. Much as I avoided the battle word during treatment, it gets used at every turn for cancer, and I didn't like to think of myself at being at war with my own body. In this one instance, it seemed like exactly the right word, more to describe the struggle with despair than with the disease itself. More to describe the struggle with despair than the disease itself. Yeah. I had long loved this song uh, but I had not gone through cancer and so I was attributing its uh, lyrics to any 
number of dark things that can happen to a person. You can think of it with grief or um, just different struggles in your life because it isn't talking directly about cancer when you're listening to it. But, um, But man, towards the end of my journey in the radiation treatment phase, this song went through my mind all the time because of the idea of one more step. You just have to take one more step. When you're doing something daily, I think it's just a really, it's a struggle when somebody is telling you you're going to have to be doing this painful thing for a month and a half every day, except for holidays and weekends. And at the beginning of the the radiation treatment, it wasn't that hard. But about four weeks in, it became very hard and uh, very painful. And so having this song in front of me was an amazing uh, inspiration. And just thinking, all I have to do is this one more day. You know, this one more link off the paper chain. Just one more thing. And now... um, I am going to be going into endocrine therapy, which has its own issues, but it's going to be for five years. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the, this part of the cancer journey is, is done. Um, and the next part is going to be its own interesting, (laughs) uh, facet of my healing. But I really felt like her writing this song and writing it in a, it's not in any sort of a sorrowful pattern. It's a, it's fierce, you know? Yeah. Um, it's sort of like, yeah, and this is the way it is and you're going to do this thing. Um, it's it's very moving to me. And when I listen to it again, after my whole treatment was done, it had an entirely different focus for me than it ever had because she's talking about that all of a sudden you're noticing that you're not alone and that there are other people and I always thought of that as just like all the people in the world who are struggling with whatever. But but in fact, when you're in the waiting room uh, for radiation treatment, there are all sorts of people around you and you don't even know uh, what they're experiencing or who they are, whether they're waiting there for another person, whether they're there for a treatment themselves. And it's when you're sort of casting your eyes up out of yourself and you're looking around at others, they're all taking one more step. And that so powerfully moved me. I've been sending this song to uh, some of the people in my life who are uh, either struggling with cancer or have been through it. And um, they all say to a person that they wept when they heard it because it is that powerful in its representation of this particular experience I think
like you'd never falter So you moved like you still had faith Head down and a turned up collar Through a string of long hard days Walking through the darkest passage Though you saw no light ahead And your greatest act of courage Wasn't taking one more step and sorrow till you heard no other sound saw nothing but your own shadow with your eyes turned toward the ground and when at last some kindness found you then it was as though you had slept and the crowd in the dark around you were all taking one more step someday come to freeze so you'll tell your sons and your daughters how to live through times like these 